0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Gamecocks coaching search day 1000. We are low on supplies. I don't know how much longer we're going to last out here in the wilderness somebody please send help in all seriousness it's nowhere close to as long as the last coaching search yep and and actually has gone probably at the pace that the administration not only assumed it would but pretty much planned for it to but still Covering it, and also for the fans watching it, Chris, I I get it. I, I know everybody is sort of ready to get this thing moving, to get this thing rolling. Um, and I think it could be winding down soon. I think we are at the point where we are, Chris, at least talking about the final stages of the South Carolina coaching search 2020 and that's what we're going to do today on gc live uh, we are live on facebook youtube and twitter or after the fact on all the major podcast platforms and we are of course brought to you by affordable medical equipment and you can check them out at affordable medical or give them a call 803-926-1493 they are home of the game day chair got a great show lined up for you here today shout out to everyone in the chat already see the comments rolling in he's chris i'm wes also be joined by our third partner in crime Colin Taylor who will be here as a regular on the show throughout basketball season certainly Chris to um, educate you and me on what's going on with the basketball team um, after they are now two games the men's basketball team now two games into their season with a one and one split over the weekend and um, Chris, let's dive into the search. Colin will be on in about seven minutes. But, okay, so to, to me, there with a the coaching search, there's sort of the what's going on behind closed doors as far as daily updates, and then there's the what's going on publicly as far as what's new. And let's start with what has gone on publicly because you actually have what I would say is a pretty firm, pretty fair – pretty definitive denial from West Virginia head football coach, Neil Brown today, who said he is not a candidate at South Carolina. Um, We we all know that sometimes the way coaches respond, Chris, to rumors isn't, you know, it's not even worth the paper that it once would have been printed on a lot of times. But in this case, and I'll uh, I'll I'll read Brown's denial here in a second. But in this case, man, it, it's about as firm as, as I think a coach can sort of say it in the way Brown uh addressed that question.
2: Unless you're Nick Saban, remember? Um Well yeah. I, I guess am I just gonna have to say it, guys? I'll not be the next Alabama coach. And he's the next Alabama coach. No, no, I'm with you though. Um That was not a statement that was like carefully worded, quote unquote, or whatever. Um, It it was just, it it seemed pretty, hey, I'm not a candidate. And you're right. Sometimes, man, these things, for whatever reason, coaches will say something and and it's not exactly the right depiction. Or sometimes you see the cleverly worded statements or the cleverly worded, I'm, I'm just focused on whoever, you know, whoever the next game is, or I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about this team. His was a lot stronger. And that's, it's really not a surprise because um, we've spent parts of the past few days trying to figure out, we knew Neil Brown, I think you could say was a candidate, right? Like in some regard, and we're trying to figure out how strong was that, you know? And now that we've gotten to this point, we, we sort of, it seems like we have our answer a little bit more with him issuing this public denial. Things have been pretty mum up in West Virginia up until now. He hasn't had a chance to be asked about it Um checking with some people up there, checking with some people around here. It's been sort of quiet as to how interested is he? I feel like there's at least the appearance of some mutual interest. Um, But now we have, it feels like a little bit more of a firm grip on, is he going to be a guy that's going to be um, a player down the stretch of this search? And it doesn't really seem like that's the case. And that's sort of, I think the way that we were thinking, you know, we talked earlier today on the phone for quite a while, you know, even even before he came out with this public uh, denial.
1: Yeah, Chris. So, and I, I'm not I'm not hating on the way any other coach handles these things because it's always an awkward question because you don't want to present doubt towards your current team or your current employer. You know, for being honest, but you also, I mean, it's worked out for Saban. Obviously, um, it, it's a funny thing to look back on, but. It, it's not like it's affected his career that he he lied and then popped up, you know, at, at Alabama. He clearly recovered from that. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But
1: um, and I'm not one of these guys who put coaches on a on a pedestal, like you know, some fans think their you know ev- their coach does everything the right way and their coach is a great man and their coach does this, but that other coach isn't, you know. But from what you do hear, it seems like of Neil Brown around uh, the coaching community, he is, I believe, generally considered to be a a good dude and, um, you know, a a good man. So I I think you – I combine that with the fact – I mean, dude, even even Satterfield, whose statement was basically, in short, um, I have not pursued or sought out any other offers, which – clearly leaves an entire world of, well, somebody else could be pursuing me Yeah. versus the other side of here's Brown's statement. I'll make it real. I'm not a candidate there. I really don't go about addressing every rumor that's out there. I think you spin yourself in a web because I don't think there's any way you can keep up. It's pretty simple. I'm not a candidate there that, to me, that's that's now, now you, you didn't walk yourself into a sound bite, soundbite of I'm not leaving or I will never leave here or anything like that. But as far as denials go fairly definitive, um, I, I think that puts Neil Brown. We never say never in this business, but I think that sort of kind of confirms and slides him down into the Fairly improbable list um, as far as who South Carolina's next head coach will be. I don't think it's any secret at this point that Shane Beamer remains the odds-on favorite to be South Carolina's head football coach. And I, I do, generally, if it's one of those things, man, if it if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, blah 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 blah, then it, it is a duck. So there's too many signs that have pointed towards Shane Beamer um, for it not to more than likely, at least for us to be able to say he is the favorite.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's sort of been that way for a while. And then we, we knew that the process wouldn't be rushed in the regard of South Carolina had sort of a pool of candidates that can that candidate list was going to evolve. It was going to eventually shrink, which it has already. And then interviews would be conducted. The process would be finished out at some point. And then once you have your guy, whenever that may be, you announce it and you get it started, right? And so um, the timelines could differ. And you wrote about this in your piece that you just released with us. We'll tease that a little bit about these timelines and how it could be affected by, you know, certain candidates. But that's always been sort of the plan. And so what we have seen is Shane Beamer, once he sort of ascended, in this coaching search, which by the time Will Muschamp was dismissed on that Sunday, we put out some initial coaching information that we've heard. One of the pieces was, you know, Shane Beamer is going to have a legitimate shot at this job. And really that's been continuing. He's continued to rise to the position that he's in now and others, you know, while there's been, I guess, some challengers for lack of a better term. um, Nobody's really gotten to that same level yet some people have fallen off some names that you know have have hung around some have maybe surfaced as newer options but not really lately we're not to the point now where there's any new options at least that we've heard you know coming to the forefront so for now it's about finishing out this process it's about seeing what happens over these next few days because from what we've been told what we've said here what we've reported on the site there are still interviews to finish out to close out before this process is over
1: yeah, and, and those will be taking place this week. We understand. Um, I, th- I think it's kind of been he he had so much early support to sort of say what you're saying, but in a different way. I, I think it was almost like he had set the bar, and then somebody else was going to have to sort of step up and and take it, which is, which is always possible. And that's why, um, you know, I, I think we're 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 very careful about what we say. None of us. We, we're not saying he is going to be because it's not there until it's there. It's not final until it is final.
2: That's right. Um,
1: the final interviews will, will have to take place and the final decision will take place. But he has garnered so much support at this point and it is at so many different places right now that you hear that um, it is safe to say that, that he is the favorite. So all right, let's uh, let's go out right now. To our good friend and colleague Colin Taylor, who is joining us again to talk a little bit of Gamecocks basketball. Colin, what's up, man?
0: Good friend, huh? I'll take it.
1: <laughs> what are we not good friends? I thought. No, that
0: I, was- I, you know what? Not. <laughs> I have. I've been living alone for a little bit, so it's nice to hear good things being said. Not you know all these weird voices
1: in my head that I'm getting. Yeah, to. don't listen to those. Uh, yeah, by the way, yeah, How are, you? Uh, are you still quarantined, or are you out of the? Uh, are you out really? of the house?
0: We, I get out of the house every now and again with the mask on, but quarantine's ending Thursday, which is ideal. Um, We'll get back to real life sooner rather than later.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. Right around the corner, actually. I um, I was going to say, I, I think you will be out of quarantine before a new coach is hired, but it, it's actually get, – it's getting fairly close to where it, it could have been, you know, close, man. So, all right, let's – um. Chris and I were just talking about how little we actually could honestly talk about the basketball team from the weekend because of everything else going on. But I know, I know you were dialed in. It was a crazy week for you with basketball—you know, two basketball games, football going on. Um, man, I, I know, I know one early season game. It's hard to put too much emphasis on it, but after the way South Carolina looked on Saturday. I was I was already saying, God, they they need to win this game on Sunday because people were already just like, here we go again, another early season loss. Didn't play well on Sunday at all, or on Saturday at all. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts, man, after they they dropped game one and, and start zero and one with the men's basketball team? I
0: mean, yeah, it's it's, it's to be expected. I mean, we. Have kind of gotten. I mean, you expect no team's going to go undefeated in a, a basketball season, especially in a non-conference year. And um, I didn't panic. I know a lot of the the fan base panicked uh, because this team has been hyped up quite a bit over the preseason. To lose their first game obviously brings into some questions, but they played tight, and you saw that. Um, Liberty had two games under their belt already against Mississippi State and um, I forget who they, Purdue, Mississippi State and Purdue. And South Carolina was knocking off the rust against the team that won 30 games the year before and had some veteran guys on that team. So uh, I kind of expect them to look like that. And you I told myself, listen, if they get behind, they can't fall by, behind by double digits and they go down 17 in the first half and there's just no chance to come back after that and their defense was really really bad and give credit to them they responded really well against Tulsa which was another good team and I think that's more indicative of what this team is going to be this year the Tulsa game rather than the Liberty game when you're still knocking
2: off some rust so from game one to game two you mentioned like the change in the team and how they adjusted what were the biggest adjustments and to put a tougher question on you you mentioned Tulsa is probably more indicative of this team. Is that what you expect? Do you expect more of a game one against Liberty or a game two against Tulsa and, and why? And what were the biggest differences there?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest differences were, was the energy level. They played with a big, much, uh, a better energy level. You got Justin Mania going. He played more like Justin Minaya. Uh You got AJ Lawson hitting threes. Jermaine Kustarn had a better shooting performance. You got to the rim more than you did against Liberty and, uh, defensively, you played a lot better. So those were the biggest issues uh, that I saw kind of remedied. And I think that this is – it's more indicative. I think that you're going to see a team that's that understands its roles. You saw that with A.J. Lawson, um, especially against Tulsa. You saw that with Jermaine. Uh, you saw that with the big rotation in terms of Alonzo Frank and um, Wildens Levesque. And you're seeing a team that understands – it's rolls a little bit more and, and they kind of settled in against Tulsa and <clears throat> started that way compared to what it was against Liberty. I think that's more indicative and it, and it wasn't a perfect performance. Uh, Keyshawn Bryan did not look good against um, Tulsa, but I think it's, it's, there's more positives, positives than negatives to build on going into Houston.
1: Colin, how, how deep is this basketball team? I mean, again, I, I readily admit if I tell me I'm an idiot, if I'm an idiot, I, I was more watching the games passively. And it just it felt like there was a lot of guys rotating in and out, and I'm I'm just curious uh, maybe compared to some of his other teams he's had how how deep or you know or not deep if I'm wrong is this team and how much of early season uh, if it is a deep team will be about sort of finding those more specific roles and then maybe altering minutes for guys when you sort of I know there, there's one thing about Frank that I've always admired is that what his team looks like early on doesn't always look like what he molds it into as a season progresses, as he sort of learns and tinkers and twists and, and does all these little things. How deep is this team right now to get back to the question and how how do you maybe perceive the minutes changing as the year progresses? Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: I hate speaking in absolutes because then, It obviously – Frank said this was his best shooting team two years ago and they were a bad shooting team. So um, I don't like speaking in absolutes like that, but it's one of the deeper teams he's had, not just since the Final Four year, but, I mean, in his time in in Columbia. I mean, you have legitimately nine guys that deserve big minutes and are going to get big minutes this year. And uh, I think a lot of the mixing and matching and rotating, especially early on right now, is because they didn't have an exhibition. They didn't have – uh, last year they got to scrimmage Illinois behind closed doors, and you didn't get that this year. So you can only do so much in practice because you're going up against yourself. And I think that you're going to see some tinkering through these first few games because you just you don't know. I mean, let's be honest here. You, you just don't know. I don't know. Frank doesn't know. The staff has a better idea just because they're there every day. But we don't know. Um, and that's something that you're going to see tinkered with. And I think that as things whittle down and you get closer to conference play, you'll see that seven, eight man rotation kind of come to fruition. And um, you'll start to see things kind of narrow down from there. But I mean, they legitimately have eight or nine guys that I think have a legit shot of playing big minutes this year.
2: Before we had you on or, or before the weekend, last time we had you on here, um, we were talking about some of the, you know, questions that this team would have to answer. And the main one was the bigs, right? You know, what are the bigs going to look like? We knew some of the guys, but obviously with losing Coats that was a big thing. What did we learn anything about the bigs through games one and two that might apply to the rest of this season?
0: They need to be better. Uh, I think Frank kind of mentioned that after the Tulsa game is they just, they need to play better. Uh, They need to just, they need to be better overall, better defensively in ball screens. Uh, they're they're rebounding the ball really, really well on the offensive end. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I think they're top 25, top 30 in offensive rebound rate, which is a big deal for Frank Martin. Um, but you, you need to be better in ball screen defense. You need to be better not fouling. Uh, and I've been really, really impressed with Wilden's Levesque. Um, I think he's really good coming off the bench for South Carolina. And a guy that, if he can stay out of foul trouble, which is something we've, I think, since Chris Silva was in his ten-year career at South Carolina, we've been saying. But if he stays out of foul trouble, he has a chance to be just a spark plug, an energy guy, someone that can protect the rim. And uh, you saw that really in that first half against Tulsa. Um, he played a big, big role, and I think he's he's only going to see his role increase if he continues to not foul and and play the way he's been playing.
1: Dude, so. A guy that I'm always intrigued by every time he steps on the court because I never quite know what's going to happen. I know it's going to be something exciting. Um, most of the time, good, I guess, but um, Trey Hannibal. So I, I, I'm i not, a, I'm, do what, Chris?
0: Hannibal's. Yeah. Trey, Trey Hannibal's.
1: Trey Hannibal's. Uh, so, so Trey Hannibal is a guy. That and I'm not I'm not a basketball ex- expert by any means, but I do know athletes when I see them. And this dude is a freakazoid athlete. He I I promise you, if you gave him a month to prepare, he could have helped South Carolina at wide receiver this year um, and been really good at it. I think ball skills. um Dude can jump out of the gym. Obviously, not the tallest, but is built like a tank. Um, what is it going to take for I, I know about Trey Hannibal the athlete but what is it going to take for Trey Hannibal the basketball player to take that next step Um, because I still when I look at him I know we all get enamored with upside but when I look at him I'm like dude the upside for this guy is through the freaking roof in in my opinion
0: yeah and if you think Trey Hannibal at South Carolina was like that I mean I watched him play it at- quite a bit in high school and it was the the system was get Trey the ball and spread out and let him go to work so he I mean what he was doing in high school was special um and you saw that a little bit last year but the big thing with Trey is just slowing down uh when he gets in there he's so sped up and so wants to do everything that he wants to hit this 10 point jump shot that he thinks he can hit or hit you know Uh, that this slam dunk is going to get him 10 points or 15 points to plus the lead. And it's getting him to play in the scheme and he's getting better at that. Uh, But old habits die hard. And when he was in high school, it was very, you know, hero ball, get, like I said, get tray the ball and, and go to work. And he's having to learn how to play in a system, play with pace and he'll get better at that once things kind of settle down and you get into the the flow of the season. You'll see a little bit more of that. I mean, Frank Martin's been pretty complimentary of him heading into the season. And um, once he starts to kind of understand the pace he needs to play with and how and, and what the coaches are asking him to do this season, uh, you'll see a, a vastly improved Trey Hannibal.
2: Colin, my last one for you on the, on the Hoops team, man, would be this. Um, you know, Seventh Woods, got to ask about him. You know, early impressions because a lot of anticipation with him, you know, stepping on the court, getting his first action. You know, what What did we learn about Seventh Woods?
0: He's still a work in progress. I mean, I think you you know that. I mean, he had a – I think Frank Martin said he had a knee injury, tweaked it against Tulsa, um, could have gone back in, but they were running some offense that they ran the majority of last year uh, and hadn't installed it. And so he wanted to put guys in that played last year because Seventh was obviously on the scout team. Um, So that's why he didn't play a whole lot against Tulsa. But he showed some signs of being able to make tough shots. Um, I think he had a few runners and a few jumpers in the lane that he knocked down. Uh, I think that was pretty good to see from him. And he still turns the ball over a little bit too much. The entire team did uh, this weekend. But he plays with some pace. He gives you what you need from a playmaking standpoint at the point guard spot. And if he can continue to build and and obviously stay stay healthy – um, then he has a chance to really help this team. And, I mean, from what I saw, if if someone falters and they want to move someone from that starting five to the bench, he's a leading candidate to take over a starting five spot if they really, really want him to because of just his skill set. And, I mean, he might not be the best at anything on the team in terms of just skill, but he's good at just about everything too. He's kind of a jack of all trades and uh, kind of gives South Carolina a pretty well-rounded player if you really sit back and look at it.
1: Colin, uh, I believe the next matchup is against top 10 Houston Ooh, Yep. Saturday. Um, yeah, they, they currently are number 10. So um, a- another reason why it was so big for them to win Sunday is that you could have been staring at 0-3, at but it, it would be just like this program, I feel like, to to drop that first game and then turn around and, and go play really well or even beat Houston. So I, I don't know if you – Really had a chance to dive into Houston at all, so take it however you want. But what what does maybe this Gamecock team need to be focused on the next couple of games as the season starts to get into an actual flow and, and stuff like that?
0: I mean, you got to be, especially for Houston, you got to be on every P and every Q possible defensively. I mean, they're a top fifteen team right now in terms of offensive efficiency. They're three and zero. They dismantled a really good Texas Tech team over the weekend. Um, they're quick. I mean, it's just a, a very athletic group, a group that knows how to play together offensively. I mean they're <laughs> Houston's really, really good um they're better than they were last year, and um i I thought they were ranked low to begin with, coming in at seventeen in the original a p poll, and I think they're more where they need to be right now in terms of being tenth um so you need to be really good offensively. Um, if South Carolina wins this game, it's going to look a lot like what it did last year at Virginia, beating a top 10 team. Um, but they're going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to bring their A game and they're going to need some guys to step up and Houston's really good. And the thing about South Carolina is oddly enough, they have three wins over AP top 10 teams the last three seasons. Uh, they were two and L against them last year. So there's some precedent Going on the road and beating a top ten team, but I mean, it's going to take a very, very good game from South Carolina to do it.
1: Colin, I know we, we got to let you get out of here, but uh real quick uh, Bobo talking today. It seems like the the actual football season is a bit of an afterthought at this point compared to everything else. But um, the guys that are sort of stayed have stayed and fought it off or, or fought it out, I should say. Um, I've been impressed at least with the effort for, from this team. But what what were your takeaways? Um, Just from from Bobo speaking today, and sort of going into this final game of what has been such a very weird year.
0: Yeah, um, they're a math mash unit right now um, at about every position on both sides of the ball, and they've kind of rallied around the the we're all we got, we all we're all we need kind of. Mentality here, and I think that that comes across every time Bobo speaks, every time Luke Doty speaks, or whoever they they put up there on the podium. Um, and give give Mike Bobo a lot of credit for holding this team together. Agreed. I mean, things could have spiraled after that after that old Miss game when when you fire Will Muschamp, and I mean, you had four opt outs immediately in the aftermath. But the fact that Sidarius Hutcherson and Shai Smith and Ernest Jones and all these guys stuck around is, is real, really a, a credit to, to Mike Bobo and the job that he's done. I mean, you can argue coaching acumen all you want to with these guys, but the fact is, and they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but they've kept this team together. And, and these guys are, these guys give a damn. I mean, for lack of a better word. Um, and you're seeing that and whether that translates to a win on Saturday night, who knows, but, um, they're going to go down swinging if they lose, and I think that's a testament to the job Mike Bobo's done.
1: No doubt. I will uh 1,000% agree. Bobo, um, he's not going to be the, the next head coach, obviously, here, but um very impressive to me the way he, – he's changed the message too, I, I think, and given a different vibe in that building, which, uh, frankly, I, I think was needed. So good stuff as always, Colin. We'll let you get back to it, man, but we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. See you, Colin. Good See stuff. You, Colin. Uh, check out Colin Taylor, of course, on GamecockCentral.com along with us. Um, let, let's keep it right there for a second, I guess, Chris, and then we'll go into some other things. Um, actually, let me answer a couple of quick questions because Kyle asked, is uh, Kelvin Sampson still the coach at Houston? Yes, he is. Um, and, man, dude, Kyle, Colin is, is well-researched. I didn't know if I was going to put him on the spot asking about Houston. Um when the game is not until Saturday but he already had a like a pretty in-depth scouting report of those guys sounds like a t- a really tough matchup for carolina but we'll see where that goes so press conference today bobo talking about the upcoming game the finale the the only, I would say the most interesting or most newsworthy thing from this dude is that that's the most positive injury report specific to Shai Smith that we've heard in, in some time. Basically this is day three. Uh, as far as the concussion protocol, I, I actually looked it up, man. So if you go on the NCAA's website, they, they've got a very detailed, um, concussion protocol document and, um, non-contact practice is the third to last step, uh, towards a, uh, a return to play, which there is a step-to-step process. I'm assuming that means they have to return to that step without any symptoms. And so that's the the sort of third to last or sort of second to last because the last step is actually return to full-on play. So you have returned to non-contact practice. If that goes well, then you're allowed a return to full practice and then after that step, they were allowed a full-on return to actual in-game play. Uh, I was thinking we may have actually just seen the last of, of Shy Smith, the way things went last week. It sounds like the door is fairly open mm-hmm. to, to Shy Smith possibly being able to play Saturday against Kentucky.
2: That would be huge for, for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, obviously, when you're looking at this game, which is – despite how much of a mash unit this team is, you still look at this game and feel like South Carolina is going to have a chance, you know, to, to go win with Kentucky struggles on offense. Defensively, they can still be quite salty. So you're going to have to find some points, but you feel like maybe, maybe you can find a way and certainly having shy Smith would be significant for that. And then for him to go get, you know, there another opportunity to go play in what could be his final game at South Carolina for a guy that's had a really good career and a really big season. And as Colin said, man stuck around, and is, and has is played his heart out. Um, it, it would be fantastic. So hopefully, uh, for all parties involved, he can get back on the field. But the priority, of course, is going to be, you know, just making sure that he's healthy with no long term, you know, ramifications.
1: Yeah, and like you said, man, shy shy cares. So so people, you know, some people get a little iffy about his uh, his talking after plays and stuff like that, but. Um, the, the the dude cares and if if you really want to sort of dive into to how shy smith has sort of grown and matured um, go back and listen to some of Mike Bobo's comments earlier in the year about shy and and how um, how shy has sort of been how the staff i would say challenged shy at the yeah. beginning of the year and he's responded to that and even to carry on joiner talking today about how he's watched shy grow and mature as a person um, how being a father has helped shy mature and um, really just, you gotta, you gotta appreciate a guy like shy who has not only improved as a player, but has matured off the field and um, ha- hasn't given up on this team. It, I mean, it would be very easy with an injury to just be like, you know, that, that's probably pretty much it for for me. But he has, has not done that um, so far, so it would be great to see him get to go compete one more time. Um, not as good a news as far as Ernest Jones. I think when, when Bobo talked on Sunday, it appeared that it might be headed this direction, but um, Bobo saying today that, that Ernest is out, and that, that's obviously a, a huge blow for, for a defense that couldn't um, – couldn't really afford many uh, many other injuries, but that that's sort of just where they are, man.
2: Yeah. I mean Ernest Jones, JJ and Igbarre. I mean, we were told heading into last week that Tonka Hemingway was questionable, and I think he played twenty three snaps, you know, in, in that game against Georgia. Basically almost everybody's banged up. If they're not injured, they're probably banged up from a long season, a difficult season, playing too many snaps. Um you know, so between the injuries, the opt-outs, any potential, you know, COVID stuff, which we haven't heard of, any additional issues there, they're gonna be low on numbers again. And so um, they're not playing Georgia, they're playing a Kentucky team that's scuffled a little bit offensively, but um it still, you know, can put up points, particularly against the South Carolina defense. It's gonna be really undermanned. So, um, you know, you're right. Didn't didn't sound as good on the injury front for Ernest Jones, but We'll see what it holds on Saturday and and throughout the week. I'm sure Bobo will update things again, you know, on Thursday as to you know the status of the defense, Shy Smith, you know, and a bunch of other guys on the defense that have been missing or have been you know missing some time because of injury.
1: Yep. So that that'll be interesting to see who can who can come back. Uh, the the other sort of, I guess it's the I don't want to say it's the biggest storyline right now, but in a season where. There's not, there's not a whole lot else to play for. Um, Kevin Harris and, and his sort of search for 1,000 yards um, really is maybe the big storyline going into this final game, Chris, on top of what I think is the other storyline is just, can, can you find another win for this group of guys that has continued to bust their tails? Um, I mean, there there's loads of stories on this team of dudes who could have just sort of dipped out to, you know, for lack of a better way to say it. And, and they've stuck around. I mean, Darius rush, who um, we haven't talked a lot about Darius this year. He's been more of a special teams guy, a key contributor on special teams, but it is out has missed the last two weeks because of COVID. He's going to be back this week has delayed um, surgery on an injury just so he can come back and play. Mostly special teams. Now, I, I actually think Darius will have a chance with all the injuries in the secondary to, to get on the field potentially for the first time, uh, first real time at, at cornerback. But um, as much as much was made about some of the opt outs, it's worth sort of looking at um, and appreciating some of the guys that, that have stuck and, and stuck it out the whole way through.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, D- Darius and there's a bunch of others that, you know, fall into similar categories, but Darius has been, I mean, accepted his role. And unfortunately, you know, last week we thought, you know, was was right in line to go see the field at corner for the first, you know, extended action or the first, you know, big action of his career. And then unfortunately he, he was out. Um, but if he can come back this week, that'd be fantastic for him. Like you said, I mean, you ran through it much better than I could in terms of just what he's endured and what he's sort of, sacrifice to be able to play special teams. He's done some really good things on special teams have been a, been a key part of that in some, in some good place for them on that front. So hopefully he can get back out and um, you know, they've just got to get some guys back healthy on the field, try to get, make one last run at it. And, you know, although they're not playing for, like you said, they're not playing for anything significant in terms of some trophy or win, or you know, big rivalry game, but it's really, it's a pride type of thing. And so, um, it would probably mean a lot to these guys and to the coaches who were on staff you know, to be able to go out and do that in the last game.
1: Yeah, I um, don't know a ton about Kentucky yet. I know they've, they haven't had the best year either. We'll have um, – at some point this week, we'll have uh, catsillustrated.com's uh, Justin rolling on to talk a little bit about the Kentucky perspective. Obviously, all of our Rivals guys have given us really good insight throughout the year, so we'll have Justin on. A little bit later on this week to talk about that. Um, Graham says, I will be heartbroken if Shy transfers. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any chance uh, that I've heard, Graham, of Shy transferring anywhere. Um, I mean, he's a senior at this point. Could he come back? Obviously, by rule, yes. But when Bobo talked about that earlier this week, or on Sunday, I guess it was, he was basically just saying that. Shai is not one of the guys who is going to take advantage of the NCAAs, um, you know, just not counting this year that he will take his shot at, uh, at the NFL. So he's not going to go restart um, somewhere else. He can go have his chance to, you know, to get drafted and and see where he falls in that. And I mean, Shy shy has got a shot at the NFL. I, I think, um, you know, I think he's a guy who's got a chance to stick. So, he certainly has the the athleticism and the competitive nature. I think it, with the NFL, it's all about finding the right spot, the right fit, the right coaching staff, and um, being put in a uh, the, the right situation. I think so. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what goes there. There's a little bit of talk on here earlier about coaching staff guys, and actually, before we get into that, Chris, you want to tell everybody a little bit about the game day chair and. Um, Maybe how they could chill in the game day chair in their dead socksy socks.
2: Absolutely. So Affordable Medical USA is the home of the game day chair. Uh, If you're on the stream, you see it up there in the top left. But click the links if you're listening on the podcast after the live show. Links are in the description there on YouTube where we hope you are listening live in the description there. Or go to AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Call 803-926-1493. Super comfortable, roomy recliner. Great addition to your man cave, your living room. Variety of positions from lay flat to TV watching to lounge position at the push of a button. So make sure you give those guys a call. And also Dead Soxie, another great sponsor of GamecockCentral.com. Some new product coming your way. I just got an update on. It's in transit. Excited for Gamecock fans to be able to see those. But for now, just check out the variety of socks they already have. The boardroom. Uh, dress Sock line or the No Show line, all non-slip technology, patented. And if you missed the buy one, get one free sale uh, that we mentioned for Dead Soxy a while back for Cyber Monday. Uh, sorry, but they have another holiday sale. 35% off site-wide. Use the code HOLIDAYPRO. So that's deadsoxy.com, dot com. And the code is HOLIDAYPRO. You should be able to use all caps or lowercase at deadsoxy.com. So make sure you check those guys out.
1: uh, What what do they get with that, Chris, one more time?
2: Get 35% off site-wide, deadsoxy.com, off your entire order.
1: Okay, there you go. You see it on your screen if you're watching on video. If you're not watching on video, you need to be watching on video. But um, we'll, we'll take our listens or views any way we can get them, to be honest. Um, but, um, yeah, dude, so I do think it was interesting. People are speculating earlier in the chat about potential staffs, uh, you know, assistant coaches at South Carolina. And it, it seems like that the movement towards that, um, you know, behind the scenes, and guys that may be on a potential staff. So that there's always, I think it's worth mentioning, if you're going to interview a coach, there's always a sense of, hey, here are some guys I'd try to bring with me and I believe I could bring with me and stuff like that. I get the feeling, based on some things we've heard very recently, that the initial part of that process of actually sort of deciding what a staff might look like, and whether that interest is real and which guys could be coming is starting to move in that direction, I believe, which is also another sign for me, Chris, that this thing could be really starting to wind down here soon um, as far as South Carolina having somebody in in place.
2: Yeah, I mean – Typically, what happens, and that's a good point about the coaching stuff, you know, what happens typically is behind closed doors during the interview process, during sort of the vetting process, is, you know, coaches who are candidates for the job are going to have, for lack of a better term, like a two deep or a three deep, you know, at each spot of guys that are either attainable or potentially attainable. And, you know, coaching's a fraternity. A lot of these guys know each other. A lot of them say, hey, if I ever get a gig here, you know, I'd like, I'd like you to do this. Sometimes it comes about later. Sometimes you look at retaining certain guys who have maybe been integral at the school that, that you're potentially going to. And so, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the buzz has continued to build on some certain guys, some certain parts that are moving behind the scenes that indicate, um, some possibilities under certain scenarios that that could be happening. And, um, you know, as things continue to progress towards, I guess, the finish line here, uh, maybe we'll be in position to to talk about more of those things at some point at the appropriate time.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't want to give away our entire update because I do. I do hope people will come join us on, on Gamecock Central. Um, you can still actually get fifty percent off right now. Um, that's not as it's not. We don't push that one as much, but but that is still available. We'll throw that out there for you guys and girls that are here. If you're not a subscriber, first year you can get on there um, for half off with the code Gamecocks. But I think as far as the timing, um, if it ends up being Shane Beamer, then it is to me very realistic that South Carolina can um, have this hire done by you know by early next week. I think if it ends up being um, which I don't think it will be personally, but if for some reason it ended up being one of these sitting head coaches, then, um, you know, that probably pushes the table back, right? I mean, so many of these, the sitting head coaches have games, uh, you know, just regular season games, or uh, in some cases championships that are uh, still to be played.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something you've got, you've got to think about and, and consider as part of the process. You know, the most important thing for South Carolina is no doubt to find the best coach. But once you find the best coach, move on it. And, and I think all indications are that's the plan, right? But, um, you know, got to find the best guy. But something you do have to bear in mind just as a part of the process in vetting these candidates and having these conversations is, you know, the timeline that you're up against. You're looking at a recruiting class right now that was, and we've covered some of this, it was already ranked in the 40s, but there's some good players in it. A lot of those guys you've lost. You know, There have been several either flips or just decommitments from the class on some guys that you're probably counting on to come in and help or at least be good players in the program. Now you're without those guys and maybe not great chances to get several of them back. And so you're up against it from a timeline standpoint. We talked about this yesterday. For example, Will Muschamp's first class, the 2016 class, he gets to South Carolina in December of 2015. And you basically got two months to put together a class. That's already a rush. But there was not an early signing period on December 16th. There is now. And so one thing that you do have to know is if you go past that, then the early signing period is done. College coaches are definitely going to push to get as many guys that they actually want in their class to sign in December because then they're signed, sealed, delivered. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, Then you can use the rest of the time to keep recruiting any guys who wait or go try to pick some guys off late. So South Carolina is going to have to try to pick off guys before both of those periods, um, if possible, if you have the early signing period. Certain situations, you may have a few days to be able to work on stuff like that. All your recruiting is virtual. You got to worry about stabilizing your own program, your roster, hiring a staff. So it is a fact that the sooner you can do those things, the better. But you have to balance that with getting the best coach as well. If you can do both of those things, then that's fantastic.
1: Yep, no doubt. Um, all right, y'all. I think that's going to about do it for today's show. Um, we're right at right around the fifty minute mark here, and um, I know we got some other stuff we got to get back to as far as content on the site and uh want to keep hammering away at this coaching search. But um, if y'all have any questions, uh, put them in your pocket. We'll be back on tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We'll also have Justin Rowland from com. He'll be on to tell you a a, a good bit about the uh, this Kentucky team and what we need to know about them. I wonder, Chris, when the last time South Carolina was a double-digit dog to Kentucky mm, because – I frankly did not even with with as bad as things have been for South Carolina and as much as as many injuries as they as they've had I didn't really anticipate it being uh this big of a, a line for for this game. Yeah. So that that's that surprised me. That shocked me. But we'll see obviously there's a reason for that. Another Another game where South Carolina is the underdog. We'll see if they can uh, keep it keep it tight and uh, and figure it out. But, all right, there's plenty of week left to talk about all that. We're going to get back to work. Appreciate everybody in the chat, everybody that's watched, everybody that's listened. Uh, check out our sponsors, please. They help make the show possible, affordablemedicalusa.com, deadsoxy.com, get a great deal from them. And, again, if we got any business owners on there who um, want to have your show mentioned here, want to have your business mentioned here on the show, I should say, Um, you know, hit us up and we can uh, try to make that possible Uh, for Chris. I'm Wes enjoyed it and we will see you all tomorrow.